You're listening to another episode of the Zag. It's 2018, our second one of the year. Excited to have Juan Vasquez, one of our favorite fellows on here, talking all things data, working with the city, uh, and maybe we'll get him to tell us some funny stories about his snowboarding expeditions. But yeah, thanks for listening to the Zag. Let's get to it. All right, Juan, good to have you. Where in Los Angeles are you today? Uh, hey, Eric. So happy to be in the Zag. I'm in downtown Los Angeles at Cross Campus, a, a co-working space. Nice. And then when people ask you what you do for a living, what's your actual answer these days? You know, it, it, I'm, I'm still fine-tuning in, I think. But uh, I say I'm the data programs manager at the city's office of finance. And that opens up the conversation. It's a good one. So that means you would work in City Hall, work with all different departments. Where do you spend most of so your days? So the Office of Finance is one of 40 plus departments that collectively make up uh, what the city of Los Angeles is from, from its streets and lights to services for those with disabilities or the elderly to the business community. So uh, the Office of Finance is specifically the city's we like to say revenue collector and generator. So uh, all of the businesses that reside within the city or do business with the city, uh, usually unless they're exempt and file for an extension, they pay uh, a tax, which ultimately funds a lot of what we as Los Angeles do. So when you got to this job, what were you surprised to find did not exist? Because I suspect with cities and finances and technology that it's going to be an underwhelming experience. Was that was that the case? <laughs> you know, I, I came out of uh, two years with the L.A. mayor's office, Mayor Garcetti's uh, administration. Uh, and so that gave me a, a, a strong look at what city infrastructure looked like and what the operational side of things, meaning the, the department side of things. Uh, so I was kind of proud, but when I stepped in, um, you know, I was I was really surprised by, and, and this is unfortunate, like really the, the lack of curiosity around technology and perhaps even general curiosity. Uh, I think it happens when individuals have been doing uh, the same task for a long period of time and nobody has really stopped to intervene and ask questions about why that task is there and how it works within the larger framework. So that was the biggest surprise. I, I wish people were more curious and more more creative in their approach to work. So then if you had to summarize the technology that's in use most mm-hmm. frequently in city departments when it comes to, say, like computer hardware or even software, like what do you see most often? Uh, that's, that's a great question because it, it also shows a little bit of... it. it the answer is we're in a transition right now as a city, which is super exciting because L.A. sets trends, right? Like wherever L.A. starts heading in, the world watches and it gives them a certain level of, of uh, flexibility in deciding how then they approach their steps. But that means they're consistently following where we go. And so we're transitioning away from homemade, difficult to maintain systems that run, for the most part, on some sort of oracle or really large enterprise-like database that are typically super expensive, like really expensive and that are difficult and bulky to maintain that we have Frankenstein together into doing (laughs) things that perhaps were not really intended uh, to do and that are hosted locally, meaning we maintain and pay for the actual hardware, the servers, the connections, the cables to keep it all alive. And we're moving 
to a place where we're paying now smaller amounts for more flexible cloud-based tools that are accessible and have uh, are maintained by people that are really good at those jobs that stay up to date on modern technology really easily. Um, and that's all they do, right? Like we as a city, we're not in the business of making IT. Uh, we have a great information technology agency here in the city, uh, but collectively we're shifting away from homemade systems to cloud-based, flexible, easy to integrate, full of fun acronyms like APIs. So that's that's where we're heading towards. So if you had to think of one example of this newer, more nimble type of technology really paying off either in the job you're in now, or to maybe you see another example in an, another department, like what comes to mind? Like, oh, like once this was put in place, this really was good you know, for the I, I play with these systems every day. Uh, I have to point to data.lacity.org, which runs on a platform called Socrata. Uh, that's where all of our open data sets live. Uh, and then another one, which ha- it's a company that has been around for a long time, um, Esri, they provide ArcGIS technologies, which allow us to do really advanced mapping. But uh, I mix the two. And so I'm consistently, both are open uh, um they're hosted in the cloud. They're not, unfortunately, open source, or portions of them are. But uh, Socrata, EzraGIS, data.lacity.org, that's where the city's knowledge lives. That's like where we know how much water we're consuming, where are crimes happening, uh, where are the cannabis dispensaries that are currently registered or cannabis business. So it's, it's a wealth of information, and those two tools are my favorite. So then how f- consistently would you say the people in the city who are in power making decisions about some of those things you just mentioned, whether it's water usage or where the pot dispensaries are, how f- much do they know these tools exist and how fluent are they in using I can them? tell you that they request the information pretty regularly. So um, how much of it is ultimately uh, you know, absorbed and acted upon and acknowledged and engaged with, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, my answer will always be probably, I hope more, right? Like the more we use that knowledge, the better, but, um, we're shifting away now from where the policymakers and decision makers traditionally is this big process of, I have a question. Let me ask that question. Somebody will go gather the information and make a report about it. And then a few weeks or months down the line, there will be some black and white document with a handful of charts, 12 size font times new Roman with a couple of headers, right? Like that's also, that's usually what, at least how government absorbs and exchanges information. We're now working towards creating interactive, uh, visually appealing, and hopefully intuitive interfaces that rest and lie on top of information. So we have all of the, like, imagine wild, crazy Excel sheets with thousands of records and millions of columns, but we're dropping over them. It might be dashboards, it might be data visualizations that allow policymakers to consistently ask questions wherever and whenever they are. So um, that that specific answer is is kind of shifting, which is pretty cool. And then are you optimistic there'll be smarter policy decisions from that? I mean, when you're talking, I was thinking about something like Vision Zero, right? Where you're trying to get to zero pedestrians or cyclists killed on the streets. And so data exists about where dangerous intersections are or where uh, most of these fatalities are happening. So this data exists. And if it was super interactive and easy to find and a good infographic, I as a city council member in theory should be like, oh, okay, I would make a smart decision based on this data. But at the same time, I worry you would then still see the kind of same uh, stubborn or entrenched uh, decision-making 
that doesn't lead to any meaningful change. Uh, so are you optimistic that folks will use improved data and improved visualization of data to make smarter policies? Oh, I am. And I know it won't always be the case. Uh, but for the most part, I, I've been fortunate enough to present to and and engage with a lot of our city leadership, almost all of the council members, the mayor himself, number of city general managers. And these are legitimately intelligent people that ask like thoughtful questions. And I, I'm, I'm a total critic of government and highly cynical. I've only been in it about three years and I'm shocked that I joined it and that I'm in it. Uh, but I, I really do think so. I, I think that these folks will implement it. Not always, but most of the time, I hope. Yeah. There's hope. Nice. Uh, when we come back, I'll ask Juan uh, about how he learned a lot of this stuff, because I'm definitely curious. And he uses a lot of words on his Twitter I don't understand. So maybe I'll ask a little bit about that. And we'll uh, talk to you after the break. You're listening to The Zag. All right, Juan. Yeah, when I study your Twitter feed, uh, every other word is, is something I'm I'm having to look up somewhere else. I don't I don't quite get it. But thinking back, where did you get interested in this kind of work, and and how did you teach yourself or learn from others sure. to do it? Uh, I started as an advertiser, so it all started for me in communication and accounts management. Uh, and I always asked the creative folks and those kind of building that how they did it. Uh, and then as my career has put me in different learning situations. I just tend to look for people around me who are, who are smarter and, and know how to do the things I don't yet know. Uh, but to become a better data professional and data practitioner and, and technologist in some ways, uh, I go to classes all the time. Like General Assembly, uh, for example, is, is one in Los Angeles that I actively seek out in downtown or Santa Monica. Uh, boot camps, meetups, uh, web videos. Me and my girlfriend are actually doing uh, a, a video tutorial online around data visualization. So I also look for accountability buddies that, hey, did you watch that video? Let's talk about it. Let's debrief. So uh, those are some ways, definitely seeking out the knowledge and asking a lot of questions. I'm not formally trained in any of this. So it's, it's been a lot of self-discovery and learning. So then in terms of raw skills that you would need to be successful at something like this, besides what you're showing, which is a curiosity and wanting to be a constant learner, is it a fluency in, in, in math that would get people off on the right foot? Is it some other type of skill set? Like what are the actual things um, happening there? I think at the core foundation is is analysis and analytical thinking. So it could be, you know, if you're at a point where you're starting your career, you're in class, you have access to like a, a stats major possibly that could help but again i started advertising so it doesn't have to be those hard hard classes but you know can you read and create charts for example like can you can you use tools if i use tableau socrata excel uh, a number of other analysis tools but there's also languages like sql and r and python that uh, feed a lot of this so Yes, there's a, a core need for technical abilities, and those are tools and specific languages, uh, but it doesn't have to start there. So I feel like a couple of the alums in the community have this interest and have these skills and some of the things you were mentioning, like SQL and some of the other uh, platforms. So it's like they're thinking about how to use those skills for future professional endeavors. Like, What would you advise people to seek out? I, I would encourage people to seek out... All of, every municipality has open data portals. So if you just Google like Los Angeles open data portal, New York, Los Angeles, uh, New York open data portal, you will see 
a wealth of information around those cities. And that is a wealth of information on how people live, which I believe that that type of knowledge will inform portions of any and all initiative, whether it's a business, a political campaign, a nonprofit, you can definitely learn from just information on human habits. Uh, I would also encourage folks to seek out quote-unquote influencers on Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram or any social media where folks are actively sharing content about the topic they're, they're particularly interested in so they can kind of be aware of it's always changing, there's always new content. Uh, and go to meetups, especially in LA. There, there, I believe there is at least 10 networking or meetup events every day of the week here in Los Angeles. If you find it, if you look for it, you will find it. And, and that's where the collisions happen, the conversations happen. And seek out great programs like NLC, you know, go, go where the professionals are at. Yeah, that makes sense. And then if you had to sort of think about uh, data as it relates to maybe not so much data itself as the skills that would go into doing what you just described for kids in middle school, kids in high school. Like, What, what kind of things would you want to see happen there? And what kind of things have you done to try to help that uh, along? I would love for us as, as professionals and I guess the adults in the equation to think about how to create games and activities that teach core concepts. Like how can we teach a kid what metadata means or what the concept of metadata means at the age of five through cartoons and play. I think that that would be really cool. We can start teaching concepts and then filling in gaps with specifics later because those are always changing. Um, you know, what have I done? I, I do a lot of stuff to create access through my, my own nonprofit, Tectinex, partic- specifically uh, for, for professionals of Latino and immigrant backgrounds working in technology. Uh, but I do a good job of mentorship and putting myself and others out in the world to expose younger generations to what's possible. So that's something that I take pride in and I would encourage everybody to do. Go tell your stories, you know, be a mentor to somebody, try to empathize with the kids and, and put yourself there and uh, slowly they, they will see what's possible. So that's that's an approach I try to take. And then last thing, I feel like you should take some pride in the fact that you learned to snowboard recently over the break. Um, how was that adventure? Where did you go? And how many times did you face plant into the snow? That kind of rhymes. That was a good poem. The, the word learn might be an overstatement. I was able to get up on a board for, for a number of times. No, I, I did learn a portion of it. You know, I was able to get through this at the end of the day, like down the slope, maybe falling only once in a particular ride. Hmm. Uh, it was an incredible activity, okay. very freeing. But I think one of the core reasons that it was such a great opportunity and fun time, and by the way, it was a celebration of my girlfriend's birthday with a number of folks. So it was also just a great time for, for everybody to kind of come together. Uh, but we were waiting at the lift, waiting for the lift to come pick us up on the very first ride. Like I hadn't even been on the mountain yet. There was barely any snow on, on the snowboard. Uh, and as it comes around to pick us up to go up, it the handle hit my left butt cheek. So I wasn't positioned right. So instead of sitting down on the lift, I just basically got run over by the lift and face planted <laughs> directly into the snow. All of our friends behind us, like 50 people. And um, that's how my snowboarding experience started. But it, it made for, I think, a fun time. And ultimately, it's like, can't get worse than this, right? So it was good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Well, we're glad you're yes. still alive and didn't fall off the mountain. And we're glad you're on the Zag today. Thanks for all your work with the city. And thanks for all your help, as always, with NLC. And for those 
are listening to this on Friday, our upcoming weekend, first weekend actually of NLC Institute for both the Institute Fellows and Engaged Fellows happens on the 6th and 7th. So stay tuned for updates and pictures about that on our social media. And you can download all previous episodes of the Zag in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes and have a great weekend. 